I'm your host, David Nage. This is Baselayer, where institutional investors come to learn about crypto. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the Baselayer podcast series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of ARCA, where David Nage is a principal. ARCA is not responsible and does not verify for accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast series available for listening. The primary purpose of this podcast series is to educate and inform. The podcast series does not constitute financial advice or other professional advice or services. Please do your own research. This is David. This is your new episode of Baselayer, one I'm looking forward to. I have Michael Kong, the CEO of Phantom with me today. Michael, how are you? I'm going well. Thanks, David. Yeah. And really appreciate the invitation. Looking forward to it. So Phantom is what we call a layer one blockchain. Uh, For those that are listening for the last few years, layer ones can be everything from Bitcoin, which is one, Ethereum, Solana, and some of the others out there. Uh, So we're looking forward to having Michael come on and talk about Phantom. Uh, Phantom has been uh, rising to popularity over the last year and a half or so. Um, So Michael, if you could, what we'd like to do with our guests and our founders is before we get too far into the technicals and what Phantom is doing here, how did you come about to this world? What were you doing before Phantom? And how did you get inspired to be uh, a founder in this space? Yeah. um, So I guess kind of my my history of like crypto or Bitcoin to begin with um, happened kind of like in 2012, 2013. So I was listening to, I was following a really big guy in the US uh, that I think a lot of people in the crypto communities know nowadays is a bit notorious. Uh, called Peter Schiff. So back in 2012, he had um, uh, a radio show called Schiff Radio. And so I would listen to into that uh, quite late at night from Australia, to be honest, um, or like like listen to recordings. And he was talking about um, Bitcoin and how he didn't really like it. Um, but to be fair to him, he was getting um, interesting people in the space on board. So a lot of people that um were were already involved in in, in Bitcoin back then, like Olaf Kasamwe and Eric Vuhaus and a whole bunch of other guests as well. And I found that very interesting. And then come like 2013, I heard some more people around me starting to, you know, buy Bitcoin and and talk about Bitcoin and the benefits of you know P2P money. And um that's when I got a lot of interest in you know owning and acquiring and basically just like playing around with Bitcoin. Although I wasn't really too interested in working in the space to be honest because I wasn't didn't really have much interest in working in what what I kind of saw as like payments based technology. It just wasn't sort of the uh, technology interest uh, area I was interested in. And back then I was studying um finance and IT at the University U- University of Sydney, and I was more interested in like other kind of uh, technologies. <laughs> um, but then come like 2015, 2016, um, a friend of mine at university <laughs> was telling me about um Bitcoin, uh, was telling me about um Ethereum, and he was. Uh, telling me about all the benefits of smart contracts, of being able to do uh, P2P um, uh, uh, applications, and that it wasn't just um, uh, like a payments mechanism. You could extend the functionality, all sorts of uh, different applications to solve kind of like, you know, have like P2P finance or or ride sharing or group-based insurance and all these sorts of applications. And that's when I got a lot more interested. So I started playing around you know, with like smart contracts and, and just learning about them. And I also managed to um, uh, I do my like final year software project and honors thesis actually with um, a professor that we're working closely with now uh, called Bernard Schultz. He was very much interested even back in 2016, 2017, 
um, uh, developing tools to analyze smart contracts and define um, uh, patterns in smart contracts to identify vulnerabilities. And so we did quite a lot of work there on analyzing virtual machine instructions and really understanding how smart contracts are actually executed, especially with respect to Ethereum. So mm. that was a very interesting research. And then at the same time, I was also working as um, the first full-time software engineer for a big blockchain development company uh, called Blockade that um, was the uh, first development team for uh, Symphonic Network Token, um, also known as Haven back then, which was like originally an Australian-based project. And then I uh, co-founded like um, one of Australia's first cryptocurrency hedge funds called Token Capital Management. And that's when we advised on this project in, in Korea uh, called Phantom that was doing an ICO um, early to mid um, uh, 2018 it was on the tail end of kind of like the ICO boom and it got really popular. And, you know, uh, the team that was originally Korean was telling us about how they developed like new asynchronous BFT and it was going to be like faster and cheaper than, you know, Ethereum. And they had like, you know, um, really strong credentials. Unfortunately, they weren't very honest about the technology because they didn't really have anything in the end. Um, so we kind of had to like rebuild the team um, to where it is now. And so that's when I started to get a lot more involved into kind of the position I'm in now. Right. Uh, so that's kind of like a brief history. That's fantastic. Thank you for the background on that. So let's get into what Phantom is. So very interesting. So as of just the last few days, Phantom transactions actually surpassed Ethereum uh, around January 25th. Uh, over 1.2 million transactions were recorded on the L1 on Monday of the uh, the 25th of January, which actually uh, outpaced uh, Ethereum for the first time. Um, so we're going to talk about this. So as I said again, you know, in the world of of L1s of layer ones, um, the, the the benefits here um, are, you know, obviously that you are using different types of methodologies. So with Ethereum and other layer ones, there is more of a kind of how shall I put it? More of a flatline type of way of blocks being propagated. So it goes from A to Z. With the silk graphs, uh, which is what you are using there at Phantom, with DAGs as they are called, the idea is not necessarily in a kind of um, kind of factory setting where it goes from A to Z, where you have someone on you know you know A and then all the way to Z finishes up the the block and everything's packaged up. With the silk graphs, it can go from A to D to you know to Z within a few seconds because it's you know it's meant to go however fast as it possibly can. So talk to us about the very function of DAGs, of Decilic Graphs, as it relates to Phantom, how you actually get to higher throughput. Uh, I believe, as opposed to Ethereum, there is a magnitude of about four or five times faster than Ethereum's TPS. So in terms of speed and throughput and performance, talk to us about Phantom and some of the benefits there. Yeah, so um, essentially what kind of differentiates Phantom from Ethereum in terms of its consensus is the fact that um, Phantom processes transactions in an asynchronous manner, as opposed to say Ethereum, which processes transactions in a synchronous manner. Um, so the best way to think about that is the way that Ethereum processes transactions is that um, transactions are, are ordered linear, linearly mm -hmm. uh, via a blockchain, which is a, another form of a DAG because the DAG is essentially uh, just, uh, just a graph that's uh, directed so it goes from like one event to another or one block to another 
and it's acyclic as well, meaning there are no cycles in the graph. And, that, and those properties are very important in order to achieve consensus because without those two properties, you don't know which transaction um, precedes another transaction. And with all blockchains, no matter how they're structured, you always need to have a final ordering of events. But the way that Ethereum does it is that with proof of work, you know, a, a block is mined um, with, a, with an average time around like 15 or 16 seconds, and then transactions are queued and, and transactions get entered into the block um, one at a time. And then blocks, that block gets processed and added to the network one at a time. With Phantom, the way the ordering is done is completely different. What we mean by asynchronous is that as soon as the transaction enters into the network, um, that transaction, as well as the surrounding transactions that are entered into the network around the same time, all get packaged into an event block that's, that gets created on demand. So blocks get created on demand depending on the level of network traffic. That means that transactions um, get processed very quickly as soon as they enter the network. There's no waiting for transactions ahead of um, that transaction. There's no queuing. There's no waiting for um, you know, a block to be mined or generated at a predetermined uh, point in time or, or, or of an average time, unlike with Bitcoin and Ethereum. And so because transactions um, start to get confirmed by uh, the network as soon as they enter into the network, it's a lot faster than having to wait for other transactions. And so that, that's what that's that, that's the key to what re has really led to you know uh, faster throughput, more scalable throughput, faster time to finality. Where you know transactions on average within the Phantom network get confirmed within you know one to two seconds, whereas on Ethereum it's fifteen seconds to be included in the first block. And even if you get included into the first block, um, you have to wait for subsequent blocks in order to make sure that your transaction really is included onto the longest chain because they follow this longest chain uh, principle. Whereas for Phantom, um, as soon as you, your transaction gets two, gets confirmed by two thirds, just over two thirds of the total validating power for the network, that transaction is finalized into the network and it's irreversible. So we say that finality is deterministic and it happens as soon as a, a block is finalized that your transaction is included, which on average right now actually takes about one second for the network. Um, the real difficulty with this sort of technology though is how do you get the final ordering of transactions? Because with a synchronous network, it's quite straightforward to do that because since transactions are processed one after the other and blocks mm -hmm. are processed one after the other, um, you already get um, ordering um, kind of by default. Right. Whereas with an asynchronous network, because you've got transactions coming in from all sorts of places from mm -hmm. all around the world um, at any point in time, how do you actually get that final ordering? And so that's what we've spent... Um, a lot of time developing and, and trying to solve for. So we've developed like a series of alg algorithms, essentially a consensus engine put together uh, that uh, achieves that final ordering of transactions um, with an asynchronous network. And a final ordering of transactions is, is, is a very important um, principle that you need to have for all um, distributed ledgers. Because if you don't have the final ordering of transactions, even if you have it correct to 99.99% or 99.999% is, is not good enough. It has to be entirely consistent across all nodes from the beginning of time to the end to the current time. Um, otherwise, people are not completely sure as to like what assets actually belong to them and what right. transactions have, have actually taken place in the network. So that's the key differentiation between, say, Phantom and, and, and Ethereum. Yep. And just so for people who are listening, who are getting kind of blown away by obviously some of the technicals here, 
the way I like to think of it is that if you're going to, and again, I'm going to use some analogies here that may make me sound like a boomer, but I'm trying to explain very complex situations to people that may not have the necessary technical, but imagine you're at a bakery and there's a queue, you know, basically you take a little, you know, on a little number and it says now serving number 24 and then 25 is behind you. 26 is, you know, two behind you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's very organized. It's a queue. You get called up, you place your order and you are done on the opposite side of things. You know, that can be very, you know, that can be very organized, but it can be very slow on the other side of things with the graphs and with what Michael is talking about, you have a bakery again, but you don't have that necessarily organized queue where everyone's taking a number for their order. It's basically everyone comes in first come first serve, but then you have to try to organize it. So when everyone's going to the cashier that, you know, obviously who is doing what. And so there's a little bit more of, you know, obviously, you know, kind of organization that's needed at the final part. Uh, But the idea is that, you know, things can come in and don't necessarily have to go through such a elongated queue process, you know, initially, which is what Ethereum does. So use that for what it is, you know, try to, as you listen to, you know, Michael and to other things that we've obviously done on the show, try to, you know, picture it in your head somehow, because I've tried to do that. And that's how I find it very helpful. Um, With what's happened with Phantom, I want to talk about specifically with DeFi. For reasons I'd love you to talk about, you, Phantom, obviously not you, but Phantom, has um, started to become a darling of the the DeFi world. You've started to see some real uh, projects coming on to Phantom. Why do you think that is over the last year and a half or so that, you know, a lot of the DeFi, you know, rock stars, if you will, have decided to come over there and Phantom and use it? Yeah, so, you know, I think I think Phantom nowadays is 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 primarily known for uh, when it comes to applications. Um, it's primarily known for you know the application the DeFi applications that exist on chain, and you know and I think that's for a variety of reasons. Uh, one is that Phantom started to get a lot of traction in 2020, and it it, it began with primarily two DEXs or decentralized exchanges. This is where you can um. Um, uh, swap one token for another and um, you don't have to go through a centralized exchange you essentially go through a smart contract so it happens peer-to-peer and, and these two um dexes um were spooky swap and spirit swap and they're forks of like uniswap and sushi swap and what they did is that and they're and they're both very great teams and they're continuing to develop their, their technology what they did is they proved upon the existing technology that they fork from and they created really great interfaces around them um, and that allowed people to kind of like swap between tokens very seamlessly and really start to notice like the performance benefits of having this um, processing, this faster processing of transactions that we just talked about. And I think from there, when people started to see um, the benefits of um, you know, fantasy technology, not just you know theoretically looking at it out of curiosity, but seeing it uh, practically happen with the lower fees and the faster and the faster. Uh, transaction confirmation times. I think that's when um, the community as a whole started to take notice. And then we had other people, you know, coming in there, uh, more and more users and other developers building all sorts of different DeFi applications that you kind of see on Phantom now. So, for example, like lending and borrowing protocols, um, these automatic compounders where where people were like where, where smart contracts automatically reinvest your money, which I think is a fantastic innovation when it comes to DeFi as well as you know stable coins and all these other protocols that you kind of see on ethereum 
it, they're the same sort of product protocols that you see on Phantom as well. And so I think Phantom's growth initially began um, through DeFi and it's continued to go through DeFi. And it's also helped by the fact that um, we've we've had quite a few um, well-known DeFi people uh, come into the ecosystem and develop on the ecosystem and really talk about Phantom. And that's primarily Andre um, uh, um, to begin with. So Andre has actually been around Phantom since the very early days. And um, he kind of like helped me and others, um, you know, uh, like rebuild the team and and hire some people and also come up with some um, original ideas about how you achieve uh, kind of the, cons- the consensus engine that we have now. So Andre has been around for a long time, but obviously like Andre's primarily interest um, is around DeFi. And he was one of the early DeFi pioneers with Iron Finance and which later became Yearn. And, and that kind of began in like uh, uh, beginning of uh, 2020. So about two years old now. And so like Andre has developed a lot of applications on Ethereum and now he's developing these sorts of applications on Phantom that I think people are aware of and 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 the variety of different um, uh, DeFi applications. And I think because he's you know seen very positively in the community as a big following, I think when he talks about Phantom and the DeFi applications he's building on Phantom, it draws a lot of attention to Phantom as well. So I think it's for those reasons, like one you know, the, the technology and how it began um, in terms of how we got traction and two, the sort of individuals that are building applications of Phantom. I think both of those combined have kind of um, uh, 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 given a lot of great attention to the Phantom ecosystem. And and so it's primarily known for, for being a DeFi chain essentially nowadays. Uh-huh. So let's talk about that. So obviously we're just in the beginning of 2022. Um, DeFi obviously had its DeFi summer back in 2020, 2021 was a little bit more, you know, muted, if you can say, obviously TVL grew enormously from about 18 billion to about 240 billion. So I can't say that DeFi was necessarily asleep, but it was obviously, it was not as, you know, kind of robust and volatile as it was back in DeFi summer, you know, back in 2020. So, you know, what would you say is uh, the roadmap for Phantom for the next six to 12 months? Are we going to see, we've seen a lot of emphasis on Playdoor and gaming. Are we going to see gaming coming on to Phantom? Are we going to see more emphasis on Web3? Or do you think that DeFi is where Phantom is going to be basically making its name for the next year? Um, I think it's kind of, it's going to be both. (laughs) And um, one of the things that I like to see on the Phantom ecosystem is definitely like, more growth, um, you know, on the NFT slash gaming slash like metaverse uh, kind of environments, and the, the reason why is because um, what what we're kind of interested in at the foundation is growing and developing the ecosystem as much as possible. And I think the ecosystem has been has grown tremendously in terms of the number of DeFi applications and users on chain, and and I, and I think that's wonderful. Um, but I'd also like to see some NF, some more NFT growth as well because on Phantom we have seen you know quite a lot of nft growth as well you know we have a few nft marketplaces we have a few metaverses being developed as well and there are games coming onto phantom and the phantom foundation is investing in some of those um like nft uh games and platforms um but we haven't seen to be honest as much growth uh, say like other platforms out there um so um what, what i'm trying to do at the foundation is trying to like help foster the growth so we get as much growth in those sorts of areas as we've had in DeFi as well because i think that will Helped tremendously grow the fandom ecosystem, but at the same time, you know, I'm very happy with the growth we've seen on, on um, in 
terms of DeFi. And as you mentioned, like in 2020, that was like kind of DeFi summer. In 2021, there was still tremendous growth in DeFi and a lot of different applications being built. Of you know, in in terms of like token price, you know, maybe didn't appreciate as much in in 2020. But over the long run, you know, we've kind of seen like a tremendous amount of growth in DeFi, and I think that's going to continue. And I think it's going to continue, you know, when it comes to NFTs as well, because there's a lot of utility and functionality there. You know, a lot of people would like to make fun of NFTs as like, oh, you're just like saving a JPEG image, um, and you can just like copy and paste that endlessly. Well. You know, NFTs at its base layer is just like another form of art, right? So you could copy and paste like all sorts of different arts, but kind of the way that art works is that, you know, most art isn't really valuable. Some art is very valuable. And what makes art valuable? Well, ultimately, it's, you know, value is subjective. So it really comes down to, you know, the, the, the history of the artwork, you know, the functionality that's um, as part of the artwork, you know, sort of like the status symbol associated with it. And I think it's the same story of NFTs. The key difference being is that NFTs have that programmable functionality, just like with DeFi, we talk about programmable money. And with that programmable functionality, for example, you can take a DeFi and apply it to different games or different metaverses. And now, you know, you have these sort of like metaverses or ecosystems where um, it's not monopolized by a centralized third party where they have complete ownership over your digital items. It's now done on the, P2P level, which means that you have full control over your, um, you know, your, your digital items. You can trade them. You can sell them. You have the whole audit history. You can prove ownership very easily. And so now with metaverses, you have uh, uh, you, you have this pay-to-earn model where now you're not just playing a game just for the fun of it, but you can play a game for the fun of it while also making money from it. So it's kind of like the best of both worlds, and that creates a lot of value that I, I think is going to lead to tremendous growth in terms of uses, use cases for blockchain, just like how gaming in general has grown tremendously over the past you know, 15 to 20 years. You're going to see a lot of that growth happen on blockchains as well. And that's why I think you know, Fandom should definitely be in that sort of area because it, 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 it is a huge growth area for the chain. That's awesome. So while people are looking uh, and exploring and learning more, as I've always said this time and time again, for three years, people learned about Bitcoin. They spent time learning about Ethereum released recently. Uh, over the last few months, they've been learning about a Solana. And so if people want to learn, where's the best resources for people to learn about Phantom, about what's being built there, where they can keep track of everything that's happening? Yeah. So the um, the best resource to go to is um, phantom.foundation. So that's the official Phantom Foundation website. So phantom.foundation, you can see a lot of detail about the overview of Phantom's technology, of a lot of um, ecosystem pro projects there in a lot of different categories, like for example, like bridges and DeFi and NFTs. Um, you can see uh, a lot of technical documentation as well as to like how the consensus works, as to how you can build applications on Phantom, which is very similar to building applications on Ethereum, by the way. So, and that, and that was deliberately by design. So, any so if you're an Ethereum developer, you should find it very easy to develop on Phantom, and to take advantage of like faster and cheaper um, uh, uh, transactions. And and also there we have a careers page. We're always constantly hiring uh, people who are developers, but also people on the on the social media marketing and research side as well. And so. All of those resources are on, on our official website. 
Awesome. This was Michael Kong, the CEO at Phantom. As I said, again, this layer one has been rising to uh, a lot of interest, rising due to a lot of the activity on DeFi, as Michael alluded to, people like Andre Condre, who has been building on there. Andre is regarded as one of the best DeFi builders out there uh, over the last few years, and he's been building with Phantom. So a lot of good things on the DeFi side with Phantom. It sounds like there's more emphasis this year on gaming, NFTs, and metaverses on Phantom. So check them out. Michael, thank you for coming on the show. Hopefully we can have you on back again. Yeah, thanks a lot, Dave. Really appreciate it again. Thanks for listening in to Layer. If you like the show and all the different guests that we've brought on, please give a like and subscribe on Apple or Spotify or wherever you do listen to the podcast. Also, if you want to have a conversation or reach out to me, you can reach me out on Twitter at David J. Nage. And let's talk there. Or also you can find me on LinkedIn. And I look forward to having great conversations with you all about digital assets.